excited to share this word. This is the third installment uh, in this series called Happy. Um, in it, we're just kind of making a biblical claim and calling on your life for happiness. And that's what you were created for. And so um, as I was doing some research and studying for this, I came across um, a survey, a study they did, and they, they were grading um, the nation's happiest states, ranking them in order. They had a series of criteria that they were using to, to uh, gauge how happy people were living inside of each state. So I want to go through the bottom five and the top five just for fun, all right? Uh, some of which you may know, you may figure out why, and some of which may be a surprise to you. But let's start at the very bottom, starting at the bottom, all right? Here we go. Uh, number 50, the, like, so the least happy state, at least in this survey, the least happy state was West Virginia. I don't really have any commentary on that. I, I don't know. I've been to West Virginia a couple times. Um, but anyway, apparently they're the least happy. The next one, 49th happiest state, um, is uh, Arkansas. Anybody from Arkansas? In the, all right. And here you are in Florida now. Amen. <laughs> it's because it's unhappy there. I don't know. No, just, that's what the survey, I, I don't think so. Uh, 48, on, so in the, in the rank of happiest states, number 48 is Alaska. How many know that may have something to do with the weather? I'm just saying like, Maybe, you know, when it's, I don't know, that weather. Uh, number 47 is Mississippi. Um, that has largely to do with how long it takes for them to just write out the name of their state. It it's, uh, makes them unhappy. Uh, number, number 46 on the happiest states is uh, Louisiana. All right, they're close to Mississippi there. And then number five on the ranking of happiest states is Kentucky. And I, that one was a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, I've been to Kentucky and they seemed relatively happy to me. But uh, let's go down to the other side of the, uh, of the list. We're gonna go to the top five happiest states, starting at number five, according to this survey. Again, multiple criteria they were using for that. The fifth, and this I have to admit, of probably of all of them that I'm going to mention, this one did catch me a little bit by surprise. The fifth happiest state in the United States, according to this poll, is New Jersey. <laughs> now, I must admit, I've been to New Jersey and I was not, uh, I was, their happiness did not strike me. All right, like, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say the people I ran into were over, bubbling over with joy and uh, warm greetings and uh, that, I didn't see that happen there. Anyway, all right, but they're happy apparently in New Jersey, number five. Number four is California. They're the fourth happiest state. All right, no, no feelings on that one, huh? Uh, they got good weather in, in, a, in large portions of California and, uh, and then they're happy. All right, number three is Minnesota is the third happiest state according to this survey. Uh, Minnesota is known for being nice people and, uh, and uh, they do have some bad weather up there some of the years, some of the year, but uh, number two happiest state according to this survey is Utah. They're the second happiest state. And the number one happiest state, which you may go, yeah, you may know why or feel like you know why when I say, the number one happiest state Florida. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, sorry. Sorry. You're not. I'll tell you what Florida is in a second, but you did not win. All right. Man, you are ready though to take pride in Florida. I like it. No, you're not number one. The number one happiest state is actually Hawaii. Everybody's like, okay, yeah. 
I can kind of see that one. Like, it's hard, it's probably, I've never been to Hawaii, but it's probably hard to be unhappy for a long time in Hawaii. All right, so Hawaii's number one. The, the, where Florida landed, I want to go ahead and tell you, because you guys got so excited when I played that trick on you. Uh, Florida landed right somewhere a little bit uh, past the middle at 28th. We are the 28th happiest state. Now, here's the thing. Faith Assembly, Faith Assembly family, everybody watching this over, here's the thing. I think as we're on the third week of this happy series, I think one of our goals, and I think we can do this just, just in our church and the extension of our church and the way that we live and the way that we treat others, I believe that we can see Florida's ranking rise. I think we can, like the next time this thing happens, we're not gonna be 28 anymore. We're going to be 27. I know. I don't know. Maybe we can be, maybe we can even go crazy and get all the way up in the top five, but let's make that our goal that we're going to be such happy people that we uh, impact our whole state. Um, so as I just a little bit of review and mentioned just a couple things that I, that I mentioned last week in this series. Um, but uh, you were, by the way, created for happiness. That's why we're, that's why we're spending some time on this. You were created uh, to have life and have it a more abundant life to the full. Um, there is joy in Jesus, John 15. And Jesus said, I want my joy to be in you so that your joy would be complete. Matter of fact, there are some 2,700 passages, more than 2,700 passages of Scripture in the word of God that contain words like joy and happiness and gladness and merriment and pleasure and cheer and laughter and delight. Uh, these concepts are all throughout the word of God. Again, over 2,700 references of that. Um, and for our purposes and biblically, there are not, there's not a lot of discrepancy or division between those terms. And so some people, uh, we've, we covered this last week. I don't have time to go into it. You can go back and watch last week's message if there's any question about this. But uh, even the words happiness and joy get translated the same in respectable um, versions and translations of the Bible. And so we've been using those terms interchangeably because the Bible does. And so God wants, he's created you to be happy. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be full of joy. Verses like Psalms 144 verse 15, which is kind of our, probably our theme verse for the for the whole series, but it's this. It's very simple, very straightforward. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. And so I'm going to speak um, in this uh, third, as we kind of close out this uh, happy series, I'm gonna speak a message entitled The Pursuit of Happiness. The Pursuit of Happiness. I'm asking you to pray that God would speak to you today. We're gonna pray, uh, no matter where you are, if you can, Kind of really focus in and, and let's lean in and let's pray and say, God, speak to me today. Will you do that? Pray with me wherever you are. Father, I thank you for your word. I do. And I thank you for the power that your word has to change our minds, to change our lives, to change our habits, to change our direction. Lord, I pray that your word would do all of that today. And I, I would ask that you'd give us, um, anoint us, God, to give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. God, anoint this word and let it be effective, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody everywhere said, amen. amen, amen. Well, Philippians 4, Paul gets in on this happiness talk. And in Philippians 4, verse 4, uh, look at what Paul says. He says, always, always be full of joy in the Lord. Now, um, I don't know that you'll always 
be happy about every single thing in your life, but there is an overall state of happiness that you can live in, that you can stay in. That's what Paul's saying here. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Paul wants the point to get across so much that he uses repetition, which is something you see in the Word of God, and it's emphasis. When you see repetition, it is emphasis. And so he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I'll say it again, rejoice. Other versions say rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say Rejoice. Now, there are some very straightforward uh, truths in that uh, one verse, very uh, clear message that comes out of that verse, but there is also um, some things that are contextually true about that verse, underlying truths in that verse that you may not read if you just look at one verse in your Bible or just see one verse on a screen. Let me give you some of the context of that verse. Verse four of Philippians 4.4 lands in the book of Philippians, which is the happiest, most joy-filled book of the Bible. Uh, There are 104 verses in the book of Philippians. 16 of them have to do with joy, um, rejoicing, happiness. And also, as a point of context, Paul writes the book of Philippians. He writes the letter to the, to the church in Philippi. He writes this book, what some of us may not realize, he writes this book while in prison. He's in a dingy Roman prison cell. Um, and it's from this prison cell that he writes this letter to this church in Philippi. And over and over again, it's joy, it's joy, it's joy, it's joy. It's happiness, happiness. And Paul's in a place where you'd go, man, why, that, that, that's, that, why are you in a, a mindset like that in prison? Why are you in a mindset like that in a dingy uh, a prison cell? How can you have that mindset? But not only did Paul have a joy and a happiness in his life that was not based on his circumstances. It was not based on his situation. It was based on his relationship with Jesus Christ. And those that know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus said, amen. Yeah, I can even walk through some tough times and I can still have joy in my life. But here's the thing. Not only did Paul have joy from this prison as he writes this letter, but Paul was also concerned that others had joy. He wasn't even concerned or consumed with himself, but he wanted that joy and that happiness that can be found in Christ. He wanted others to experience that. He wanted others to exemplify that. That, I would contend, is the real secret of the pursuit of happiness. That Really, if you want to walk in a different level of happiness and joy, what you will soon realize is it can't be just about getting happiness. It can't just be constantly about, oh, I just I want more, and I, if I get more, I'll be happier, and if I get what I want, I'll be happier. At some point, you will realize that you being focused on you only brings you to a certain level of happiness. True happiness happens when you concern yourself with, how, how can I make somebody else happy around? me. That's what Paul's doing here. And um, in this uh, week of the, of the Independence Day and the 4th of July, and as we titled this message, The Pursuit of Happiness, obviously it has um, special relevance right now because of the Declaration of Independence. That's where uh, probably most famously that line is found, The Pursuit of Happiness. It actually says that we would have a country where people could have life and liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I'm still thankful that I live in an 
uh, imperfect country like this that still has a lot of promise and a lot of potential and, uh, and a powerful freedom that we can still uh, you know, serve Christ and meet like this and, and uh, glorify him. I'm still thankful for this country. Um, and in this uh, document called the Declaration of Independence, it's probably one of the two most important documents to uh, our um, nation's foundation and philosophy. Um, but it has this phrase, the pursuit of happiness. And uh, I don't know if always our understanding of that phrase is exactly what maybe um, uh, our founding fathers had in mind. They, they were about projecting, though, happiness. They were about producing happiness for others and for all that would come in uh, to this country and, and who, who would be born into this country and uh, all those that would experience, they, they would want uh, happiness to be something that we spread. And, uh, uh, and so that's how we'll... We'll look at this pursuit of happiness today is how can we spread, promote, and produce happiness in other people's lives? John Templeton, who was a um, legendary investor and philanthropist, one of the most generous uh, uh, men, uh, well, according to how much he was able to give anyway, um, I think he gave in his lifetime over a billion dollars to charitable causes. Uh, when, he, when he died, his estate, I think, was worth like 13 billion or something like that. But he had a quote that I liked, and that's why I bring him up today. He said this, to get joy, we must give it, and to keep joy, we must scatter it. I like that. To get joy, we must give it, and to keep joy, we must scatter it. Author, playwright George Bernard Shaw, in one of his plays, he had this line, and it said this, we have no more right to consume happiness without producing it than we do to consume wealth without producing it. And so if we take these, uh, what, what Paul's saying from this prison cell and we, uh, we apply it to even where we're at in, in our lives today, um, to pursue happiness, we must produce happiness. And, and that happens as we do life with one another. That phrase, one another, you see that show up in the New Testament over 50 times. One another, one another, one another. And I want to take just a handful of those times out, though there's more than 50 in the New Testament, I want to look at some of those as happiness producers. That if we can do what the New Testament tells us to do as we deal with one another, that we can spread happiness, that our pursuit of happiness will not just be for us, but it'll be for those around us as well. The first one that we'll look at today, if you're taking notes, jot this one down. The first happiness producer is this, is to bear with one another. To bear with one another. And we see this one in Ephesians chapter four. This is Paul writing again. And he says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Well, if there was ever a day and age where Ephesians 4, 2 uh, should, be, uh, should be spoken, should be lived by, should be memorized, uh, should be exemplified, it is today. Wow. That we would be completely humble and gentle, that we would be patient, bearing with one another in love. And I noticed that Paul did not include uh, on the back of that verse, he did not say bearing with one another in love unless you're on social media. Paul didn't say that. It almost seems like Paul is saying like, in every platform that you do life, that you would be humble, that you would be gentle, that you'd be patient with people, that you would bear with one another. 
And I don't see a lot of that. Matter of fact, somebody asked me this morning, had I been on social media much over the last couple of days? I said, no, I actually haven't. And I have been kind of a, a little bit wearied of some of the division and some of the arguments and some of the strife. And so I just, I just haven't really gone there that much and, and, and looked at all of the, the comments on all the different posts that are there for whatever. And it, it's amazing what people can take stances on and what people can argue about and what people can dig their heels on and fight. Some things that just don't even, aren't even that important. I mean, there are important matters in the world, but then some that aren't so important. And we're, we're even fighting over the, the less important things. And here's one of the things I've never seen. And I don't think I'll challenge. I don't think anybody probably that's taking part in this service right now. I don't think you've probably ever seen this on social media. The post that you've never seen before. There's a lot of stuff out there, but you've probably not seen this. The comment that you've probably never seen on social media. Boy, there's a lot of comments out there, but you've probably not seen this one. I've never seen this one. I've never seen this comment. This comment that says this. You know what? You're right. I am now changing my point of view because of what you said. Thank you. I have never seen that on social media ever. It's almost as if all of these arguments and all of these posts and all of these comments and all of this back and forth, it almost seems as if it doesn't accomplish anything. I don't know, because I've just never seen anybody go, you know what, actually, because of what you have posted, because of what you have argued with me in this, I mean, you go 100 posts, you go 100 comments deep on a post, you're not gonna find that. Somebody admitting so instead, it's become this, this um, platform and this environment of the very antithesis of Ephesians 4.2. Not much humility, not much gentleness, not much patience. Nobody really bearing with one another in love. Instead, we've gotten this thing where it's like, I'm right and everybody else is wrong. And if you disagree with me by 1%, you're wrong. You're out. You're, you, it's over. And I'm right and you're wrong. It reminds me of a, a story I heard about a, a, a husband and wife and the husband had to run to the store or something like that and the wife was home and so she kissed him, he got in the car and he headed to the store and, and then as he left, she had the news on the, on the TV and when the news, a story popped up on the news and said, uh, hey, there's someone driving the wrong direction on highway, whatever, and she thought, that's probably the highway my husband's gonna take to the store and so she thought, I'm gonna call him and make sure he's okay. She calls him and says, honey, be careful because I guess there's some crazy person driving the wrong way down the highway. He said, you want to talk about crazy? He says, not one person. It's every single car is driving the wrong way on this highway right now. They're all going the wrong way. That's how some of us are. Like we get in our, our direction, we go, no one can tell me anything and I have no patience. I'm not gonna bear with anybody. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, look any, uh, any uh, let anybody be and think anything differently than what I think. I'm not gonna forgive anybody. First Thessalonians 5.15 in the message translation says this, be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, you don't snap at each other. Look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. Wow, I like that. Look for the best in each other and do your best to bring that out. I'm speaking, I feel like that was a, I feel like that was just spoken a foreign language to some of us. You're like, what now? Bring out the best in other people? That's what we're, yeah, that's what we're called to do. That will, that will be a bearing with one another that will, that will bring happiness. And so bear with one another is the first one another that I bring out. The second one is this, regard one another. Regard one another. Philippians chapter two, uh, that's another happiness producer. Philippians two, verse three and four says, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, 
But with humility of mind, here it is, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Wow. Regard one another as more important than yourself. Obviously, we are still in a, in a place in our nation. We are in desperate, desperate need of healing and restoration. Um, a spread of happiness, especially in the area of racial inequality and injustice. And this is yet another passage of scripture that leaves absolutely no room in the heart and the life of a Christian to have in it the sin of racism. This is another verse that, uh, that just absolutely gives us no room for that. Because it says, do nothing from empty conceit, but in humility, uh, humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Don't merely look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. In other words, if there's something that we can do to help someone who is going through any kind of injustice or inequality, that we should step up and that we should do that. And I want to I say this, because as we were singing that song a moment ago, Heal Our Land, I tell you, there was a part of me that just felt like, you know what? Um, let's, just, let's just sing this song. Let's just sing this prayer of intercession to God. Let's just do this the whole service because our country needs healing. Our country needs it, and it's only gonna come. It's true, it's not gonna come from policies or politicians. It's really, truly gonna only come through the uh, power of Jesus Christ and through revival, and so we should be believing God for that. But in the, midst of this, in the midst of this lack of regard for one another that's going on across our nation, in the midst of that, it makes uh, who we are and what we've always been and what we're called to do and what we're gonna continue to do as a church all that much more important. And here's why I say that. It's because we have been for a long time and by God's grace, we will continue to be a picture of racial equality and racial harmony to a world that needs a picture of it. We're gonna look like heaven around here where we value one another, where everyone is welcome. Somebody say amen. And we've been that for a long time and we will continue to be that because the world needs a picture of that. And that happens as we regard one another as better and more important than ourselves. God heal our land. The third kind of happiness promoter that I would bring out would be this one, to accept one another. Accept one another. This one's big. Uh, Romans 15 verse seven is where we see this one another. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another. And then it gives us the example of that, uh, the target for that. Accept one another as Christ accepted you. Now, it's important that you understand how Christ accepted you because that is the way that you are to accept one another. Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that acceptance is the same thing as approval, and it is not. Okay, acceptance does not equal approval. So sometimes I don't approve of somebody's actions. I don't approve of something someone said or someone, uh, something someone did. And so because I don't approve of that, I can't accept it. But that's not the case. These are two different terms. Listen, Jesus accepted me even when he didn't approve of the way I was living life. Anybody in this house thankful that he accepted you even before he could approve of who you were? 
No, Jesus did not approve of my pride. He did not approve of my, my sin. He did not approve of my lust. He, did, he didn't approve of those things. But you know what? He accepted me not for who I was in that moment, but he accepted me for who I could be in him. And listen, as Jesus accepted me, as Jesus accepted you, he didn't even do this. He didn't say, hey, go figure it out. Go get yourself all cleaned up. Go get yourself all. He didn't do that. Reminds me of when I was probably uh, 13, 14 years old. At one point, we lived kind of near a golf course. And um, my friends would all go, especially when it rained a lot. When it rained a lot, there was this one hole on the golf course that would get a lot underwater. And so we would all meet there after it had rained a lot for a mud football game. It was the best place to play mud football. And you, man, you would, you'd be running and you would just try to find a mud puddle to get tackled in, you know, because it kind of broke the fall anyway. So we would just come back so soaking wet, so muddy. And I can remember opening up the door to my house, getting ready to come in. I can remember my mom saying, nope, don't you come in here. Don't come in here like that. You, you go get yourself straightened out. Don't be coming in here like that. Don't come in here like that. And I'll be like, I can't. What am I supposed to do? Take those clothes off. I'm like, I'm in the driveway. I can't. I don't, you got figured out. Don't come in here like that. And I'd have to go to the hose and figure out a way to get myself cleaned up before I could come in. Church, we never want to get so caught up we never want to forget, right, who we were before Christ. Some of us, we've been saved so long that we forget what it's like. We don't ever want to be those people standing there saying, no, 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 come in here like this. Don't come in here in your sin. Don't come in here in your addiction. Don't come in here acting like that. Don't come here looking like that. Don't come in here talking like that. No, instead, you know what we want to say? We want to say the same thing that Jesus said to us. You come on and I'll accept you. And as I accept you, we're going to get you cleaned up. You can belong here even if you don't know yet how to behave around here. Oh, that acceptance is powerful. You want to talk about spreading joy? Let us be people who accept everyone. Everyone is welcome here. No one is perfect. And you know what? Anything is possible. I've heard too many stories from too many of you who were not so pretty, who didn't have it all together, right? Before Jesus got a hold of your life. Let's be people who accept one another. Um, if you're taking notes, this would be the fourth one another. And it's this, encourage one another. Encourage one another. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 11. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Here gives the definition of encouragement right here in verse 11. Encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Boy, encouragement is a powerful thing. Marriage researcher and counselor, Dr. John Gottman, he did a decades of marital research and found an interesting characteristic of happy couples and happy homes. He said, happy, healthy homes enjoy a positive to negative ratio of five to one. A positive negative ratio of five to one. In other words, for every negative comment or criticism, there are five acts or words of encouragement in those happy homes. A similar study found the same, when they were studying leadership styles uh, in the business corporate world, found a similar result, positive neg negative ratio of six to one on, uh, on teams that were uh, high functioning teams in, in the corporate world. Low performing teams conversely had an average of three negative comments for every one positive comment. And there's power in encouragement. There's power in speaking what someone else needs to hear in that moment. 
And for some of us, it may not come as naturally as to others. Some of us haven't maybe didn't grow up in that kind of environment, so it just doesn't come naturally. And if that's the case, I would encourage you to, to, uh, to work on that and discipline yourself and do some things uh, systematically to become a person who encourages. It's, it's, a, it's a little thing that we do here in the, in the offices. Monthly, we have a, a staff chapel for all of the employees to come together and we worship and, and hear a word from the Lord. And, um, and then in that monthly staff chapel, we, we do some, again, it's not a huge deal, but we do a, an award for one of the employees and it just goes from different employees through each month and people uh, email in their suggestions of who they, who they choose that month and it's uh, called the Servant's Heart Award. It's this big trophy. They get to put it on their desk. It's, again, it's not a huge deal, but we do it and so what happens is we'll say, uh, you know, so-and-so was nominated as the Servant's Heart Award. So we'll bring that, that employee up and then everybody else is in the, in the chapel and we say, does anybody want to share just a couple things about this person and what they've noticed? And then people begin to share and say, oh man, she is always so helpful. Every time we're doing something, you know, she jumps in and helps. Oh man, I saw her helping with this uh, one family and it was, she just really changed their life just by her. And the people would just get up share. And of course, the person that these people are talking about, of course, you can see this being built up, built up, built up. Encouragement. Of course you see it happening in them. But here's the part that amazes me. Is that I'll look around the room and I see everyone in the room being encouraged even though it's all aimed at this person. It's like, it's like friendly fire going on. Like it's like every, though it's aimed here, everyone in the room is being built up and encouraged. And that's the power of encouragement. That it's even to the person it's directed, it doesn't just affect that person. I see very rarely in those moments, somebody sitting in there going, well, I wish it was me. I mean, I work hard around here too. Like that's not, that doesn't happen that much at all. I mean, I did a couple of times, but that, other than that, no one else has. It's been awesome. The power of encouragement. Number uh, five, as we look through these one another's would be this, is to serve one another. Serve one another. Galatians 5, 13 says it this way. You, my brothers and sisters, we're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. That's, that's real freedom is when I choose to use my freedom to make a difference in somebody else's life, to impact somebody else, to serve somebody else. God's gift of happiness is more than just me understanding who God is. God has saved me. God has uh, given me a ticket to heaven. So therefore I'm happy. No, no, God's gift of happiness is deeper than that. It's this, that once I experience who Christ is, and once I understand the difference that it's made in me, now I can begin to walk in my purpose and make a difference in some, I can let that same love and that same grace and that same mercy that flowed into my life, I can let that flow through my life. That's happiness. When I begin to operate in my purpose, when I begin to operate in the center of God's will. And as we looked at last week, there's plenty of of secular research that backs this up, that doing something for somebody else, serving somebody else, the difference that it makes in our psyche and in theirs. <clears throat> Richard Laird, who is the uh, London, he's in the London School of Economics, wrote a book, Can We Be Happier? And he said this, he said, doing kindness makes you happier and being happier makes you do kind acts. What a, what a great cycle that is. 
Doing kindness makes you happier. Being happier makes you do good acts. Sonia Libermersky, who I mentioned last week, not a Christian at all, but is one of the ones who have studied happiness the most. Uh, and she said this, that in numerous experiments, uh, experiments over 20 years, repeatedly found that people feel better when they're kind and serve others. A survey of 45 Hundred American adults revealed that those who volunteered an average of 100 hours a week, okay? Those that volunteered 100 hours a week and how they compared to those who didn't, 68% were healthier than those who didn't. 73% were less stressed than their counterparts because they served and, and volunteered over 100 hours a week. 89% said they had a better sense of well-being than those that didn't. So when we talk about serving and finding your place and, and figuring out what you can uh, do for the kingdom of God, to advance the kingdom of God, uh, when we talk about this stuff, be on the first, uh, you know, first impressions team and, and greed and, and maybe usher or serve in the kids department or serve in the parking lot or serve on the next outreach or get involved in the youth ministry. When we talk about those things, it's not because we just need bodies. It's not because we need man hours. I'm telling you, the reason why we do it is because we know the power of operating in the fulfilled work of God in my life. When I, when I can figure out what my purpose is, man, what a joy that will bring not only to my life, but to the people that I serve. That's why we talk about it. And so if you look back on the last, I don't know, month or six months or year and you go, well, where did I serve? Where did I just serve somebody? And if it's hard for you to figure that out, then I would encourage you, spread happiness. Find a place to serve. Find somebody who needs something. Be a good neighbor. Get involved in somebody's life. So not only bear with one another, regard one another, accept one another, encourage one another, serve one another. But the last one we'll hit on is this is pray for one another. Pray for one another. So wait, you're saying, you're saying if we pray for somebody that it'll make them happier? Is that what you're saying? Um, that's what I'm saying if James chapter five is true. If we're gonna believe James chapter five, verse 16, then yes, me praying for somebody is going to make a difference in their life. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. It does talk about how I pray. It talks about my life. But if I can do this thing right, if I can pray faith-filled, effective prayers, you know what happens? When I pray faith-filled, effective prayers, it makes a difference. It accomplishes much. That means it matters. Be careful. I just warn you, be careful of falling into the trap of somebody walking by you and having a need and saying, will you please pray for me? Oh yeah, I'll pray for you. Yep, we'll be praying. Don't fall into the trap of you saying we'll be praying that that counts as praying. It doesn't. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that if you uh, put the emoji hands on somebody's post that says, I just got a bad report or this is going on or this is going on. And well, I put the praying hands emoji so therefore I prayed. That's not praying. That's not James 5, 16 praying. I just warn you, if you know of a need and somebody's walking, be that friend who actually goes to the throne and says, God, I want to pray the most effective, fervent, passionate, faithful prayer I can pray because my friend needs it, because my mom needs it, because my kids need it. And as you do, 
You're producing joy. You're producing happiness because those prayers bring effective, needed change in their life. Pray for one another. Let me end with this. I recently read a story about a young man named Bobby. And um, Bobby was in school, elementary school, upper elementary school. Um, but he did have some disabilities, some learning disabilities, some social disabilities. He was, he was right on the bubble, right on the line of being able to go to still uh, a normal, uh, uh, typical schooling. Um, but he did. Um, now, he didn't have a lot of friends. And his mom would see, uh, you know, everybody walking home from school. And she would see the group of friends all together talking, playing, uh, joking around. And then she'd always see Bobby a few paces back walking by himself. Something she kind of got used to. Knew that he was probably not treated the best. Well, one day Bobby comes home from school and he, he said, Mom, the teacher said that Valentine's Day is two weeks away and that we're allowed to give Valentine cards to our, our students, to, to the students in the class. He said, Mom, I want to give a Valentine to every single student in the class. And his mom said, oh, okay, Bobby, that'll be awesome. But inside she was thinking this will be just yet another opportunity for him to be out in the cold, for his gesture to not be received or for not be reciprocated. But Bobby was so excited. So for the next two weeks, he came home every afternoon. I mean, just meticulously working on these Valentines. And he was just working. So it was a labor of love. He was loving it. But I mean, every single afternoon, he was working on those Valentines. Finally, Valentine's Day comes. He's up extra early in the morning. He's packing his stuff up. He looks at his mom. He says, Mom, today's the day. He said, I just hope I didn't forget anybody. And he dashes out the door on his way to school, so excited. And his mom is like stressing out all the way. Matter of fact, during the day, his wife starts to, uh, I mean, his mom starts to uh, bake some cookies and, and things like, that he likes because she just feels like when he gets home, it's going to be a tough moment. So she bakes the cookies and she's out there waiting on the porch, watching the, the kids walk home and she sees the same thing she saw the other days. Here comes all the kids that are walking together and talking and playing and joking. They're all in a group and there's Bobby walking a few paces behind as usual. So she gets the cookies and has them out in place and she's ready to console her son and he comes bursting to the door and he said, Mom, it was awesome. And she says, what? What was awesome? He said, I didn't forget a single person. Bobby had made it so much about everybody else that it didn't even faze him that he didn't get a card. one another. That we would not make this about us, but they would be, that we would make this about spreading joy and happiness to one another. That is truly the pursuit of happiness. Could I ask everybody in this room, everyone at all of our campuses, if you're able to, wherever you're watching this service, would you bow your heads and close your eyes just to have a moment of inner uh, reflection just to look in our own heart, our own life. And as you, with eyes closed right now, I guess I would just wonder who has been praying for you. Because some of you 
you're starting to understand that you won't find happiness outside of Jesus Christ. Not true joy, not true happiness. And if you're here today and you're outside of a relation with God, I know somebody has been praying for you and there's probably something inside you feeling like there needs to come a change, there needs to come a turnaround. And maybe you thought you had to get yourself all cleaned up before you come to Christ. That's not the case. Jesus Christ says, come on, I accept you as you are. And if you're here today at one of our campuses or, or watching this service right now, here in this room, nobody's looking around there at the campuses. If you need to get right with God, if you need to ask Christ to forgive you today, would you do me this favor today as I just want to include you in my closing prayer? Would you slip up your hand now and just say, I need to get right with God. I need to find forgiveness of my sin. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else here in this auditorium? I need to get right with God. Thank you. Anybody else? In the risers at Redbug at Michigan Street. Thank you. Anybody else? I need to get right with God today. I know I've allowed sin to separate me from God. Anybody else? I need to get right with God. God bless you. God bless you. Why don't we do this? Everyone at all of our locations, why don't we here in the auditorium, would you stand to your feet? Everybody standing to your feet as we get ready to close this service out. I want to do something as we get ready to close. First of all, I want to say this. If you lifted your hands saying you need to get right with God, these altars are open for you. In a moment, we're going to begin to pray. And I invite you, if you'd like to come forward and we'll have somebody pray with you, pray for you, see that life come to Christ or maybe rededicate your life to Christ. So that opportunity will be here for you. But I also want to do this. I want to pray for our country. I want to pray that we would be the catalyst that would spread the joy uh, and the happiness of Christ to our nation who needs it so desperately. So if you will, like, we're not going to do this, but you know how it is when we join our hands. Spiritually, we're going to join together. Spiritually, we're going to, we're going to take them on because we believe in the power of prayer. And we're going to pray for our country. We're going to pray that God would bring healing to our land. So will you do that? And as we pray, if you need to get right with God, I encourage you to step out and come while we're praying. And we'll be, have someone here in this front to pray for you as well. But come on, all across this room, why don't you just begin to call out to God because we believe in the effective, fervent prayer of righteous people. It accomplishes much. So right now, in Jesus' name, come on, pray for our country. Pray for peace. Lord, we just thank you for revival. I thank you for peace. And right now, God, we join and link our faith together and we come against divisiveness. We come against hatred. We come against racism. We come against anger. We come against rage in Jesus' name. And I pray for love, God. I pray, oh God, for your peace. I pray for the love of Christ to begin to spread across this country. Father, we pray for revival in this country. I pray for those that need to get right with you, God. I pray for those who need to turn to you. Lord, may those who are in pain, may those that are hurting, may they turn to you. May those who are sick, may they turn to you. May those who are confused and disillusioned, God, may they turn to you. God, we pray for our land. We pray healing for our land in Jesus' name. Oh, come on, let's lift, let's lift that up to heaven. Would you just lift up a hand to heaven and say, heal our land. Oh, yes, God, in every area, we pray. Let your revival come. Let healing come. Say, heal our land. 
Can we take one more minute and just pray this to God? Say, heal our land. Oh God, I come against every division, every argument. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Pastor John's going to come and pray over and close and conclude our service. I just challenge you this week to not only live happy lives, but figure out ways to spread and promote happiness everywhere you go. Amen. God bless you. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we honor you and we thank you, Lord, for your presence here. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Thank you, God, for encouraging us and, and giving us direction for our lives and showing us, Lord, where our true source of joy and happiness comes from and how we can spread that, Lord God, to our neighbors and to those around us, Lord God. Thank you that you're using us as your people to be a light, Lord God, in this world. And I pray in Jesus' name that even for those that have made the decision for the first time today to, to follow you, those that have rededicated their lives to following you today, Lord God, and for those of us, Lord God, that are doing our best every day to continue to follow you, I pray in Jesus' name that you would lead us and guide us and help us, Lord God, that you would equip us, Lord God, continually to walk in the joy that you've given us and the freedom that you've given us, God. I thank you for silencing the voice of the enemy, Lord God, against my brothers and my sisters, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for causing them to know who they are in you, Lord God, every moment of every day. And I thank you, Lord God, that when they walk out of these doors and when they leave, Lord God, from these screens that are watching, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, uh, that they would go with your peace Lord God, knowing that you are by their side every step of every way. We love you, Lord God, and uh, we thank you for a great, prosperous, blessed week to come. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. So thankful to have worshiped with you today. We pray that the joy of the Lord would go with you as you go. If you've been watching on the screen today, thank you as well for joining us. Uh, Kids Way is coming with some ministry for you and your children in just a moment. God bless you. We'll see you again very soon.